0: Hey, hey, beer fans! Welcome to Experimental Brewing with Denny and Drew. I'm Denny Kahn.
1: And I'm Drew Beecham. Together we're the authors of Experimental Homebrewing, Mad Science in the Pursuit of Great Beer, and Homebrew All-Stars, where we interview 25 of the world's best brewers and get their tips, tricks, and secrets straight out of their brain, right and ready for yours. So now, between the two of us, we have nearly 40 years of homebrewing experience. I'm the guy known for weird beer and strange ideas.
0: And I'm the guy who's known for questioning the conventional wisdom and coming up with a way to check it out.
1: Uh, And on today's episode, we're going to head to the pub. But first, actually, we have feedback, including, well, a miraculous tale. Then we'll go into the pub. We'll talk a little bit about uh, business, including some ideas about mindful drinking for this time of year, how to be safe. We're going to head to the brewery and uh, well, look at a little bit about uh, lager yeast. And then in the lab, we're going to pick up Denny's IBU test. And then finally, off in the lounge, it's time for your Brewer's Resolution. We're going to take a look at how we did this year give you a little preview not very well and yeah, see exactly <laughs> what you guys are going to plan for the new year and how we're going to fail in the next year spectacularly as well
0: but before we do that let's hear a little bit from some of the people who make this show possible so stick around we're going to be right back
1: this episode is brought to you by Brew. Makers of the Zymatic and Pico Brewing Systems. The brewing systems of the future are here now. Discover how easy and rewarding it is to make great beer with Pico Brew. And by Craftmeister and BTF 4. When you absolutely, positively need to make every surface clean, bust out the cleaners with professional power and home brewer safety. Make better beer with better chemistry. Choose Craftmeister.
0: And by... The American Homebrewers Association, a community of more than 46,000 beer lovers. Since 1978, the AHA and its members have worked to promote and celebrate the homebrewing hobby and community. Join today for six issues of Zymergy Magazine, AHA member discounts on beer, food, and brewing supplies, access to exclusive events and competitions, and a bunch of other cool stuff that will take too long to list here head over to homebrewersassociation.org or experimentalbrew.com and get yourself a membership.
1: And by you, our listeners. Go to experimentalbrew.com to help support us. Click on the Patreon link to donate whatever amount you'd like to help support us and our charities. Click on the Brew Your Own magazine link to subscribe to BYO. Or click on the HA link to join the American Homebrewers Association and receive a subscription to Zymergy Magazine. Part of the proceeds from those go to help support the podcast.
0: Hey, thanks for sticking around. We are back and we're going to start off by reminding you that we had a new episode of The Brew Files coming out this week. It was episode 27. That means we've been doing that for over a year now, man. Oh yeah. And it was uh, all about lager myths with our good friend, Mr. Dave Carpenter, who has just written a book about lager for Brewers Publications. Uh... Cool book, and uh, Drew talked to Dave and talked about the book on episode 27. So if you haven't heard The Brew Files, episode 27, Logger Myths, check it out.
1: Well, And don't forget that you can support the podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Click the Amazon AHA or BYO links on the website. And by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause. Which for this part of the year
0: is Habitat for Humanity, a great, great organization that is working in your local community to help fight homelessness, uh, to help people build their own homes. And uh, it's, it's a great organization. Kick in a few bucks and help out.
1: And so, of course, now it's time for your feedback where you email us and tell us what we're doing right or wrong or just give us stories about your day. And I think uh, we're going to start with a Christmas miracle, because it may be January, but Christmas magic is all year round. And so this is from uh, Will Aldwart, who we're actually going to hear from later on in the show, and he writes in, Hi, Denny and Drew. Of course, I love the podcast. I'm writing about a Christmas miracle that happened because of listening to your show. Ooh. I brewed an oatmeal stout for the first time because my in-laws are coming into town and they love stouts. I put together a recipe based on popular ones I found online. Everything went well with the brew day and fermentation, but after it was kegged, it lacked anything exciting. I decided it was missing the dry finish I'd come to expect in dry stouts and the roast flavors I enjoyed. So because of listening to your show, I leapt into action. I took some distilled water and made some cold brew coffee. My hero. (laughs) After some calculations using brewing water and some taste tests, I ended up adding one cup of coffee with a half a gram of gypsum and 0.2 grams of Epsom salt dissolved in it. Boom, it did the trick. A Christmas miracle. Although still not an award-winning beer, it is a great improvement, and I can proudly serve it to the in-laws. I never would have tried that if I hadn't listened to your show. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, I just love heartwarming stories like that.
1: Yes, exactly. It's a Christmas miracle. It's a Hanukkah miracle. (laughs) We extended everything. Let's go. All right, you want
0: to get the next piece? Next piece of feedback comes from Sean Phipps, who is following up on the question he sent us, uh, Back for episode 55 about what to do with expired liquid extract. A quick update on my expired LME question. You asked what my ideas were. My original plan was to try to make some kind of sour out of it. Although, I've never made a sour before, so that might be a poor choice for a first attempt. The idea of an American strong hadn't even occurred to me, but I did consider trying to do a stout or something dark. I thought maybe the roasted grains might help offset or hide the old, probably gross LME. It's all still sealed, so I'm not sure how much oxidation there will be. But really, it's more of a novelty brew anyway, just playing around to see what I can do. I still haven't decided yet which route I'm going to take with it. If you have any other thoughts, I'd certainly be interested to hear them. I have one other batch on deck that needs to be brewed before I get to this particular project, so I've got some time. Well, Sean, since you still haven't used it, what I'm going to suggest is you just hang on to it forever and see if maybe it'll petrify or something like that.
1: It becomes tar. You can use it to patch a roof. That's right.
0: <laughs> I don't know. For, for me, I think a stout is not a bad idea, and uh, I would probably go for an American Strong still just because I'm crazy like that.
1: Well, and it's a lot of hops and a lot of flavor and a lot of everything else, and some oxidation isn't to be, well, considered out of place in that style. So,
0: yeah. Yep yep that's right that's right
1: but hey i I would say this is all free beer so do with it what you will
0: yeah man uh it's not going to take a whole lot of your time and effort to do it so i would say just pick something don't obsess over it toss it in and see what the heck happens
1: well hey you know what i I think after reading those two pieces of feedback and feeling somewhat miraculous i need a beer yeah well i need something so
0: let's head over to the pub shall we okay Mechagrade Estate Malt is a craft malt house owned and operated by the Klon family on their beautiful Central Oregon High Desert Farm. Their eighth generation Oregon farming family grows and malts all of their own specialty grain, creating malts that are rare, remarkable, and bursting with flavor. Malt is the foundation of your beer, so why settle? The best beers deserve Mechagrade. For more information, please visit mechagrade.com. We are sitting here in the Experimental Brewing Pub at the corner of everywhere and nowhere in your town, USA. And it's time to wet our whistles. What you having there, Drew?
1: Well, last week I had an opportunity to go meet up with listener Paul Nicodem who, from Australia who was in Anaheim to go with his family to, well, you know, the magical place on Earth. And at the end of his week, he needed a beer or two. So uh, Paul and I, we hooked up and we we, you know, got together at Green Cheek Brewing Company over there in Anaheim and sat down and had a couple beers and well before I left I made sure I took one with me and I could think of nothing more appropriate to bring with me than uh, Green Cheek's Australian for Pale, a double dry hopped Australian pale ale with New Zealand Cascades. So of course we uh, had a lot of fun going wait, how is this Australian if it's using New Zealand hops?
0: (laughs) It's made in Australia.
1: Yeah, But it's it's really tasty, uh, kind of Very bright and vigorous with its hops. Uh, So kind of a good throwback, and God, do I love it.
0: Do New Zealand Cascades remind you of American Cascades?
1: They felt uh, vaguely the same. You know, kind of hinting in the same direction. Yeah, it's not like the Argentinian Cascades from years ago.
0: (laughs) I remember those. Jeez, I'd totally forgotten. Uh, Thanks for bringing back a terrible memory.
1: If anybody ever offers you Cascades from Argentina, run.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I remember that man. Uh, proof once again that terroir makes a lot of difference.
1: Yep. Now, what about you? What are you having?
0: I am sitting here drinking a delicious glass of water. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, no beer for me at the moment. Uh, I uh, I deviated from my diet over Christmas and the holidays, and I know that uh, you guys have all heard me talk about how I've been trying to lose some weight. I just decided screw it i'm having a holiday i'm gonna drink and eat what i like so uh, i went back to several beers a day i went back to eating snacks and desserts and stuff like that and as a result gained about seven pounds so it's time to get that off i am back on the treadmill i am back to uh, reduced beer intake so today it's a glass of water just to prove i can do it
1: oh well sure be that way
0: Yeah, well, you know what, man? I wish I didn't have to, but I do, so I am. There you go.
1: Indeed. All right, well, so shall we dig into some stories from the beer world?
0: Yeah, because this first story kind of like ties into what I'm doing, Uh, and and while while the story is uh, not quite identical to my situation, it's kind of along the same lines, huh?
1: Yeah, so what I thought was interesting was Time uh, on their website actually uh, put together an article about Sort of a new trend. Of course, I think most of us have heard of the idea of dry January or February or you know, something like that. You know, it, it, It's post-holidays, I'm going to be good, and therefore I won't drink anything. But what Time actually put together was an article about sort of a new movement where people are sort of taking that idea, and instead of doing dry January, are trying to engage more in the idea of mindful drinking. And so what they mean by mindful drinking is... Instead of being the sort of person who, you know, hey, you know, that drink tasted really good, so I'm going to go have another. And then drink three sounds like an awesome idea. And then suddenly drink five sounds like an awesome idea. What this is is a, a group of people who are trying to get you to exercise the idea that it's okay to drink, but be engaged with the drink, right? So, you know, mindfulness and all that sort of movement's all about trying to be engaged in the moment. So they're really trying to encourage you to, instead of being a mindless drinker who's just tossing it back, Know, actually engage with the drink, which is what a lot of us do as brewers. And what I thought was interesting was there are also another set of aspects to this where there are whole groups and clubs being formed up now that are all around trying to figure out good sober events or mindful drinking events. And they said that with these yeah, couple of clubs, like there's one called Club Soda in uh, NYC, and they make these events for people to get together that aren't around drinking But what they've noticed is that even though their goal isn't to get people to stop drinking, at least a third of the participants do stop drinking and almost everybody else pulls back on the amount of drinking that they're doing. So it's just an interesting idea for January, as everybody's talking about, you know, the excesses of the holidays, Mr. Khan. Yes, sir. That, you know, maybe there's a, a way to reduce the drinking without stopping the drinking altogether, just by paying a little more attention.
0: Yeah, well, you know what, and that is exactly what I was doing, uh, you know, my, with my four ounces of beer a day that lasted me two or three hours or more. And that's it. You take you take a little sip, you think about what you're drinking, you put your glass down, you go back to it uh, in 15 minutes or so. It can be done, because, uh, yeah, again, I discovered uh, during the holidays when I wasn't paying attention... Rather than just gradually sipping the beer, I would kind of like just start throwing down the last half, so...
1: Yeah, it's always hard when when the glass seems to be magically in your hand and, and, well, the logical thing to do with it is to lift it again.
0: Sure, and you tell yourself, geez, it's a holiday, you know what, I'm going to cut loose a little bit, um uh, But then you got to pay the piper, and so that's where I'm at now. And, uh, you know, mindful drinking is a great thing, whether whether you need a club or not to do it. You know, some people can just do it on their own. But the idea is, this is kind of like to combat binge drinking in a way. That's really where it started, and it's kind of spread beyond that. So... Just just be aware when you drink of what you're doing, how much you're drinking, and uh, if you're really enjoying it or not.
1: Well, there you go. And then in line with you know the whole idea of more responsible drinking, I saw an interesting article coming out of the Chicago Tribune, out of Chicago, where Lyft, you know, the rideshare company, is actually partnering with a local brewery, Baderbrow, uh, and has released to bars. 12-ounce cans of what they're calling five-star lager, you know, because ride share ratings. So five-star lager, it's actually a relabel on the Bader I think, uh, I think it's, uh, what is it, uh, Southside Pride, which is like their Hellas. And the good part is that for every can that you buy, you get a code for $5 off a Lyft ride.
0: Wow. That's, that's really great, man. That is, uh, I, I'm really happy to see them doing that. It's a great thing for the people, and I can't hurt them either.
1: Yeah, and of course, you know, I mean, hey, you know, you get people looking at a, a logger or Hellas logger there. Uh, you get people uh, thinking about, you know, getting home safely. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it, and I, I think that, you know, it's an awesome idea. Hopefully, it's a sort of a program that spreads.
0: Yeah, really. I mean, you know, and you talk about mindfulness in another context. There it is right there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all about paying attention and, uh, well, you know, just being responsible. I know. Yeah. It it sucks to be an adult.
0: (laughs) Some days, yes, indeed. Okay, I'm going to let you take this next one in order to avoid me getting into any snarkiness.
1: Right. So, in the last episode, we talked about the Dogfish Head uh, Zymergy live event that they did where they answered a lot of interesting questions. And, obviously, with Dogfish Head... A lot of the questions that were around, hey, so about all that weird poop that you do, how do you do the weird poop? So Dogfish Head, not being you know, strangers to doing weird things with beer, announced that they were going to release a beer priced at $45 a bottle, and it's a 750 milliliter bottle for $45, which is expensive, but it's called, it's the end of the wort as we know it, which is a nice REM reference. And the ingredients in the beer include blueberries, uh, acai, goji berries, uh, purple sweet potatoes, chia seeds, and quinoa. Uh, And the the joke about it is that these are all ingredients that are supposed to keep you in good health as you travel through the nuclear wasteland, uh, thanks to recent news. And so not only are there going to be the bottles of beer that you get for the $45, but you also get a Swiss Army knife and a solar blanket and a paracord, you know, just so that you can... Know, be extra safe. Now, obviously this is silly, and they're only releasing 200 bottles of it, but I was really surprised at the level of ire that it raised up for something that's just kind of a, a silly stunt from a brewery that's known for doing some silly stunts, and certainly not something that is, you know, going to be a mainline beer. I mean, it's 200 bottles. I could brew that here at my house. So, oh, I thought it was amusing. I thought the price was really interesting. <laughs> and uh, as for the actual ability for beer to keep you safe during a, uh, uh, well, a holocaust of some variety, let's not count on that.
0: Okay, so are you proud of me, man? I kept my mouth shut all the way through that. Yeah, you
1: did pretty well. Not too bad. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. And I'm going to continue that trend because nobody cares that I think that...
1: Oops. Uh, Denny.
0: <laughs> You're doing so well, buddy.
1: Just so Darn. well.
0: Just and couldn't then- help myself.
1: Yeah, And then, yeah, just messed it up in the end. All right. But before we also leave the pub today, there is one last thing that we have to uh, say, which is that Graham Wheeler, uh, who was the author of Brew Your Own British Real Ale from Camera, uh, well, we just found out that he actually passed away uh, late last year. And uh, Graham, if if you've never read Brew Your Own Real British Ale, I mean, that was an early text that, I mean... I read it when, when I was starting brewing. I think, Denny, you have a copy of it, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I do. And I also have uh, his other book, uh, which is called Brew Classic European Beers at Home that he did with Roger Pratt. It's another really great book that covers not just British styles, but uh, a number of European styles.
1: Yep. So make sure if you're having yourself a British real ale or European ale there, uh, you know, raise a glass, tip a pint. And remember a guy who helped spread the knowledge in those uh, earlier days of brewing yeah, um, no
0: kidding man he he did a lot for uh, the beer world in general and uh, to get info into the hands of home brewers about that stuff so thanks, yep. Graham. We appreciate it
1: yep. well, on that note, I think it's time for us to finish well my beer, your water let's go over to the brewery to well you know talk a couple of brewery related matters.
0: Yeah, let's do that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So please stick around. When I'm done brewing, I want to be done brewing, not waiting around for my wort to cool. With the Hydra, the Corny Pillar, and the other great chillers from Jaded, I can be done when I'm done. No more waiting 20 minutes for the wort to cool enough to add whirlpool hops. No more messing with cleaning and sanitizing counterflow or plate chillers. With the super-fast immersion chillers from Jaded, you can chill your word in minutes without all the hassle. Jaded chillers aren't just works of art. They're the fastest, most effective chillers you can buy. Check them out at jadedbrewing.com.
1: Well, boys and girls, we are in the spot where, well, the magic happens. That's right, we're in the brewery, and it's time to talk brewing-related matters. Uh, and I think, really, the place to start is, Denny, you you came across a sort of a puzzling factoid on the internet that you
0: need some help with. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, in a discussion on Facebook, listener Jamie Walton, and thank you, Jamie, uh, made a kind of comment in passing about how a uh, fermentus, I think it was uh, 3470, he was talking about, was not an actual lager yeast, and I kind of went, "Whoa, what?" And so uh, ran over to fermentus's website, and, and meanwhile Jamie was doing the same thing, and I looked up their three dry lager yeasts: the 3470, S23, and S189. And it says that all of them are Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is an ale yeast, uh, not Carlsbergensis or uh, Pastorianus, which are, are the lager yeast genuses. And I was, I was kind of surprised uh, to the verge of being stunned. I had no idea. And I guess what I, I really don't understand is whether. This is normal. Are there other lager yeasts that are actually cerevisiae like this? Now, we've put in a a call to our friends at Y-East to try and get some clarification about uh, whether this is more common than not. If anybody out there has any information about it, if there are other lager yeasts that uh, actually seem to be ale yeasts, please let me know. Or if this is a normal thing and I'm just kind of going, wow, because I'm too dumb to realize it. Let me know about that too.
1: Or there's also always the possibility that you know maybe we're misunderstanding this.
0: Well, yeah, I mean you know my understanding is that cerevisiae is an ale yeast, uh, but again I am not a biochemist. So what, what was your reaction to the whole thing? Uh,
1: my reaction was really like, huh, okay, that's interesting. I didn't expect that, but then again, uh. For me, I was also kind of curious as to, well, whether or not I had uh, had the knowledge right in my head about this. So, yeah, like it, the problem is the, the way that lager strains have been reclassified recently. You know, it, it keeps changing, right? You know, because, I mean, I think when I first started, to, it was like, you know, all lager yeast were, you know, this way. And now suddenly we're discovering that some of the Cervasia strains act like, you know, lager yeast. And, you know, it's like, oh, lager yeast... Can only do raffinose, or they're the only ones that can do raffinose. Ale yeast can't, and it—I don't know. I—it's it, changing enough for me that I haven't been able to scope out whether or not I've got the picture completely correct. So hopefully we can get some f- more information from Y yeast or from anybody else out there. If you're listening and you have an idea and you want to tell us where we're right, where we're wrong, or why it matters or why it doesn't matter, uh, you know how to get a hold of us. Podcast at experimentalbrew.com.
0: Right. You know what? And in, in a way, this information kind of makes sense in light of the fact that people have been discovering that you can take 3470 and ferment it, you know, really warm, like up into the 60s and 70s and still make a great lager. And the discovery that I and a lot of other people made a lot long time ago, that ale yeast can go a lot lower temperature than you would imagine. Um, I have... Quite a few times fermented things like Yee's ten o seven or even 1056 at 55 degrees and gotten great performance and a very lager-like beer out of them. So maybe it's maybe it's this kind of like yeast crossover that's doing that. Again, yeah. you know, we're we're trying to dig into it, and if you have any information, please shoot us an email at podcast at experimentalbrew and tell us why we're idiots. Well,
1: that that should bring up the, the flood.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a long email, isn't it? Yeah. Here's why you're an idiot. <laughs> Reason 472. Yeah, there you
1: go. Yeah. Wait, how many batches of beer are you on?
0: Uh, let me see here. I think it was like 523, but I'd have to go get my notebook and find out.
1: All right, listeners, here's a challenge. I think collectively people should be able to come up with 523 reasons why Denny and Drew are idiots. There you go.
0: (laughs) Because I've brewed 523 batches and I'm still not getting good at it.
1: There you go.
0: So that's the uh, conundrum with lager slash ale yeast. And uh, like I said, we hope to get more information. Until we do, though, we might as well move ahead, huh? Might as well. We're going to cruise over to the lab and talk about an experiment that I'm working on right now. So we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. YCH Hops is a grower-owned global hop company located in the Pacific Northwest, with a mission to connect family hop farms with the world's finest brewers. YCH Hops is thrilled about the release of their newest product, Cryo Hops, to both commercial and home brewers, providing intense hop flavor and aroma, reduced vegetal flavors, and increased yield. Visit ychhops.com to find a homebrew retail store near you.
1: from the brewery, we go to our other favorite place in this world. That's right, the lab. It's time to talk beer science. <laughs> Mr. Dincenzo, a couple of episodes back you announced that you're doing an IBU test. I figured it would be a good idea that we just, you know, stop by and check in to see how you're doing, buddy.
0: Well, it's been up and down. Uh quick recap here. Uh after our interview with Glenn Tinseth uh, a year or so ago, Um, the notion came up that maybe it wasn't wort gravity alone that influenced hop utilization, but that maybe it was like uh, the protein level of the beer, the thinking being that uh, a beer made with a large percentage of sugar might have the same boil gravity as one made with all barley, but due to the lower level of protein in the beer with sugar, it might get uh, increased hop utilization. It's an interesting concept, and there's only one way to test it, and that's to brew a bunch of beers with varying protein levels. So I broke out my trusty Zymatic, and uh, the concept was to start brewing like a, a base beer, which I took as 1050 with 35 IBUs, all barley, brew... An increased gravity version of that base beer, which was 1070 50 IBUs, all barley, and compare the hop utilization rates between those two. Then take that 1070 uh, 50 IBU spec and brew a high protein version of it with a lot of wheat malt and a low protein version of it with uh, a lot of sugar, uh, 70% wheat malt, 70% sugar, and compare those. I did okay, but I've been having some, some issues. Um, the, uh, one with, uh, the increased gravity version didn't quite hit the OG that I was going for. The, uh, one that was 70% wheat was even farther away from the gravity that I was going for. And, uh, when it came to the fourth batch with the sugar, Uh, I had to uh, abort the brew due to a lost internet connection and the Zymatic's inability to to continue without it. So I'm going to be going back and doing some re-brews of some of these, seeing if I can come in a little bit closer. But we'll be analyzing the uh, protein level of the pre-boil wort and the IBU level of the uh, post-boil wort tell you the truth, people, I'm not even bothering to ferment these beers because uh, a beer that's 70% sugar is not something that I want to have around, let me tell you. So anyway, that's that's the plan, and we're going to turn this into an, a real experiment. In the meantime, I would ask that uh, if you're interested in doing this, hang on until I get done because I want to put out a very detailed plan of how to do this so we can do something closer to real science than uh, than we or, or other people usually do by doing an experiment, drawing a conclusion from it, and then having other people try and replicate that conclusion with the exact same steps. So hold off. Eventually, uh, I'll publish all this stuff, and we'll be able to get started going on some real experimentation.
1: Yeah, but first guys got to stop messing up the brews.
0: Yeah, well, i got to do that for sure. Um, you know, and I, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I made a point that the wheat malt got well crushed, you know, so that, uh, that wouldn't be an issue. But again, when you're brewing with different ingredients per batch, it's kind of difficult to try and get things matched. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but you're supposed to be the expert, buddy. You're supposed to hit this stuff. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm trying to be an expert, but uh, it takes some effort.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. If nothing else, it's time for effort. And speaking of effort and things that we want to change, I think it's time for us to talk year's Resolutions.
0: Oh, yes. I think we need to go over to the lounge, sit down, uh, fire up our pipes, maybe even pour ourselves another beer and look at what we did and didn't do last year. Oh, boy. So much didn't do. <laughs> oh, man. This is going to be painful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Stick around. We're going to uh, wander over to the lounge and berate ourselves. Once we get there, we'll be right back. Are you a fan of chocolate, but not of the mess that comes from using cacao nibs? Chalaka is your answer. A favorite of Tim Matthews at Oscar Blues, it contains only cacao and water. Chilaka is aseptically packaged, so you don't have to worry about any bugs coming along uninvited. Using only sustainably sourced cacao, every bottle of Chalaca you buy helps regrow the rainforests of Ecuador and Peru. Ask for Chalaca wherever Brewcraft USA products are sold. It's just about time. It's just about time. Don't you think it's about time? We talked about beer. Okay, this is the part where everybody sings beer, 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 beer.
1: It's comfy chair time. It's comfy chair time. <laughs> that means it's time
0: to lounge. Oh, we have now. We have a theme song for the lounge, huh?
1: Oh yeah. You yeah. know, get a little Burt Baccarat under there or something.
0: <laughs> so oh, of good course, kids.
1: Yeah, of course it is the New Year's. Yeah, as we are sitting here, the air is brisk. Okay, it's not brisk where I'm at, but hey, the air is brisk in most places. And, well, like we talked about in the brew files on organizational stuff, there's something magical about the new year where we we start to think about how we can transform ourselves. And, of course, that usually means that we've set ourselves up for failure, and I know we set ourselves up for failure last year. But you know what? Like the swans returning to Capistrano, we're back to do it again.
0: (laughs) Because one good failure deserves another.
1: Absolutely, the all of life is a, is an endless cycle of failures, punctuated by brief moments of achievement that you have to hold on to, like shiny little pebbles.
0: Woohoo, that's pretty darn zen, buddy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so Denny, why don't you uh, why don't you start this parade? Uh, what were your resolutions last year? How'd you do? And uh, what are you going to try and fail at this year? <laughs>
0: Probably the same thing. Um, as I recall, my um, resolution for last year was pretty simple and straight ahead, which was just find more time to brew. I didn't. Uh, I, maybe, maybe a little bit more. But my resolution for this year is not only to find more time to brew, but to find more time to brew for myself. Uh, by, for instance, by the time I get done with this uh, current experiment, I will have brewed yeah six or eight batches in there, taking two or three weeks of time out of my life, and I won't have any beer to show for it. And that, you know, that that's not a good thing. So uh my big resolution this year is not only to brew more, but to brew more of what I want to brew and have more fun doing it.
1: Oh sure. Be that way. Yeah. It Try ain't it ain't gonna it.
0: happen, but you know that's that's what I'm shooting for.
1: Uh, you know, those retired people, they have no time.
0: Well, you know, that thing's kind of turning out to be true. Who would have thought? So how about
1: you, man? Okay. Well, my main resolutions last year were to finish off the Saison project. And yeah. To, <laughs> yeah, right. That didn't happen. I swear to God. I mean, not only did I not get enough time to brew Saisons, but I also, every time I turn around, somebody else has got a new Saison yeast, which is awesome but also frustrating for the idea of ever finishing this damn project. My other main resolution was, well, to brew more, and while it still wasn't perfect in terms of brewing the amount that I wanted to, like back in the day when I used to brew every other week, I did get more out of my kettles this year, so I'm going to count that as a win, even if it wasn't as much out of the kettles as I wanted. So, this year, I've got a couple of resolutions. So, first is, I'm going to get into the brewery more often. However, this is a very important point. I'm not going to get into the brewery just for brewing. I need to get into the brewery to do other tasks. So, like I think one of my biggest downfalls as a brewer is, I brew a batch of beer, and then I kind of stop doing anything with it until suddenly it's like, oh, it's time for me to do the next batch of beer. So, I get a lot of inertia that way. So, part of the organizational thing was to talk about, okay, You got to get back into the brewery more often and and do more stuff like do more of my canning projects, do more of my tasting projects, that sort of stuff, just to make sure that, you know, things keep moving. Because I think that's what's important. Even if I'm not in the brewery brewing, then I need to be in the brewery doing something at least once a week. And so speaking of being in the brewery and, well, actually this time brewing, I want to work on a couple of things this year. I'm going to sneak in a lager or two that isn't my Falcon's Claws because, uh, frankly, that doesn't drink like a lager. Um, what I really want to work on is I want to work on, you remember a couple episodes back I talked about, or actually last episode, talked about you know what we think trends are going to be this year. So I want to work on that idea that I had for the juicy, clear IPA that has that New England hop profile, just to you know say, hey, whatever, it's not all about the haze, it's actually about the hop flavor, right? Deliver that sort of thing. And then the other part is I want to come up with something fun for homebrew Con because my homebrew club will be in Portland for homebrew Con And I want to have something silly to do.
0: <laughs> Gee, imagine that, man. you yeah. doing something silly.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, maybe I'll do my saison bar again. Uh, yeah. Then finally, another, another one of the things I want to do as a resolution. I want to have a couple of group sessions here at my house. And I want to pull off that mega brew day that I've talked about in the past where I brew on every brewing system I have, at once.
0: <laughs> that would be pretty cool, man.
1: Yeah, do do a time lapse video of it. You know, maybe set it to Yakety Sax so you can see me running around the brewery, going ah,
0: things are on fire. Yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't think I have enough room to brew on all of mine at once. Well, that's
1: I've got a garage patio area, you know. Yeah, pull right. stuff out. The advantage of brewing outside al fresco. Right. So and then lastly more igor's more experiments more videos more more content because i'm insane so those are my Year's uh, resolutions we'll see if i can if if i can deliver on half of them i'll be a happy camper if uh if i deliver on all of them i'm buying a lottery ticket
0: and if you can deliver on even one of them i'll be shocked you have no faith no faith buddy I have I have lots of faith. I also have experience.
1: Fine, be that way. It's my job to be the cynical one.
0: <laughs> well I see. I'm I'm helping you out here. I'm, I'm relieving you of some of your cynical duties, so you have more time to brew.
1: No, all you're doing is challenging my cynical crown. So therefore, I have to be extra cynical, which means it's more work for me.
0: <laughs> wow, I never even thought of that. Okay, I take it all back.
1: Yeah, there you go. All right, you got to be. You're the hippie. I'm I'm me. All right. <laughs> Let's get uh, on to our listeners' resolutions, shall we? Uh we had we, we asked you guys for your Brewer's resolutions, and boy, we, we got quite a few. So uh, why don't we go ahead and, and dig into them? You want to start with the first one there, and we'll just rotate?
0: Sure. Our first listener resolution, it comes from Stephen Donaldson of Hagerstown, Maryland, who says, my Brewer's resolution is to learn more about water. I've thus far resisted and have won medals at two competitions, including Hoppy Halloween 2016. This year, all three of my entries for Hoppy Halloween 2017 included a comment about checking my water. I've been consistently scoring about 30 out of 50 in both competitions I enter, so it's time to make a change and see if I can increase these scores. Oh, that
1: sounds like a plan. And uh, Steve wasn't the only one who had uh, water-related uh, no. resolutions. No. Uh, there's a lot of those in the, in the listing, but yeah, I think uh, learning about your water is probably not a bad idea. Even if you just pursue sort of simplified water ideas. So our next resolution actually comes from Tyler James from Kentucky. And he says, my brew year's resolutions start doing partial mash or even all grain in the coming year. But if not, I'll settle just for making more and better beer.
0: There you go, man. That is realistic. Go for it. Yep. Kevin McAvoy from Boulder, Colorado, writes, Happy New Year and thanks as always for the podcast. Here are my brew year's resolutions. Number one, I'm going to start dealing with water chemistry in earnest. I Say, think I, I told a trend here, huh? Yep. I've avoided it thus far, almost three years of brewing, with the justification that my Boulder, Colorado glacier water is fine as is. I'm realizing that I will need to face the music if I really want to take my beers to the next level. I struggle with learning by reading as opposed to doing, and I am a language and music person, not a tech person or engineer. See, Drew, not all homebrewers are science-minded. So I have mostly been confused by even the most basic tips for beginning to address the topic. However, I resolve to buckle down and make it happen no matter how much my brain bleeds.
1: If your brain bleeds, we recommend IPA. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, really. You know what? And it makes me think, uh, we had Martin Bruengard, the uh, author of Brunewater on when we were at uh, NHC, Oop, I mean HBC, uh, a couple years back with some Brunewater tips. And maybe it's time to get Martin back on to uh, to talk about water treatment in general and how to approach it, huh?
1: I Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I think that's a good idea.
0: Okay, Martin, you've been warned. All righty. Resolution number two from Kevin is... I'm going to get a small batch setup going in my kitchen so I can brew more often and experiment more. That's a great idea. Currently, my 5-gallon propane system is housed in a friend's garage, as I live in a condo with no outdoor space for brewing. He and I brew together, but our schedules often clash, and he is not as gung-ho about it as I am. Hopefully this will also inspire me to tinker with more different ingredients and techniques as well. Peace in 2018. Why, thanks, Kevin. We share hope
1: so. Yep. Uh, peace in 2018 and uh, good luck with brewing smaller batches. Yeah, right. Next resolution comes from Will Allwart. You remember Will? We heard from him earlier in the show.
0: That's right. He
1: says, now for my brew year's resolution, I intend to go back and nail down a few house recipes. I've never brewed the same recipe twice in my four years of brewing, so I think it's time to go back through my notes and rebrew some favorite beers with a few tweaks in hopes of coming up with a house IPA, lager, and saison." I also plan to brew some smash beers to get a better understanding of certain and hops. I feel this can only help me become a better brewer. Cheers to you guys for all your inspiration and knowledge. Keep up the good work. And I can't wait to hear what the new year has in store. Prost. Well, I agree. Yeah. And Will's not the only one who talks about doing, uh, you know, sort of these house beers again, which of course I think is interesting since so many commercial breweries are moving away from the idea of having sort of a core lineup these days. So But good luck. Develop your house flavor.
0: Yeah, really. And, you know, you've all heard me say it many, many times. The best way to get better at brewing is to brew something over and over and over again until it's perfected and consistent every time. So good on you, will. Laurel Verhagen from Marshfield, Wisconsin, says, here's my list. Fifteen plus brew days, including two or more smoked beers for mixed ferments and try to dial in a triple recipe by April for an intra-club competition. Okay Laurel, here's a hint. Uh eighty-five percent pills malt, fifteen percent sugar, why thirty seven eighty seven. There's your uh basic triple recipe. Laurel also says she wants to finish a basement brewery build. Oh cool. Get six BJCP judging points and host two club brew days. Boy, Laurel, those are like great goals and very definite and clear. Good on you.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Laurel's list uh, warmed my corporate engineer's heart because they're quantifiable, measurable, and achievable.
0: Yeah, not not something flaky like you and me, which is, I'm going to brew more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Next one comes from Billy C., who says, mine is to finish a pre-brew day, brew day, and post-brew day checkoff list to make sure everything is clean and in its place prior to brew day and all supplies are in stock and my water is treated and in proper areas to start brewing as soon as I get out to the brew barn. Great. Brew barn. Brew barn. Wow. I yeah, like the really. idea of a brew barn. Yeah. But I just have a brew garage. So, <laughs> Billy, I, I applaud you. A, a great idea for some checklists. I will actually tell you that if you can find a copy of the journal that I did uh, from uh, Adams Media, which was a home journal, It has a big set of checklists in there for your brew days and pre and post. So go ahead and uh, give that one a a checkout. See if you can find it. I, I know it's available on Amazon. That might help get you started.
0: Yeah, really. Sean Phipps writes, first for 2018, my resolution is pretty simple but comes in two parts. I want to take my brewing to the next level. Specifically, I want to get my water worked out. Oh, there's another one. Step up to 10-gallon batches and get my brewery, a.k.a. my garage, more streamlined and organized. I had a few plans for that already, but listening to your recent episode of The Brew Files really lit that fire under me to aggregate my fecal matter. Also, I'd like to try to brew at least once a month. I don't feel like that's an unreasonable brew schedule, although I probably won't be able to do all 10-gallon batches unless I make a whole bunch of new friends in the town we just moved to. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, dilemma of too much beer.
1: Well, and if you tell people that you have beer and it's free, you'll suddenly discover that you have a lot of new friends.
0: That's that's right, man. You move to a new town, you want to make friends, just put out the word.
1: Now, although, Sean, I will say, if you're going to step up to 10-gallon batches, uh, be ready to listen for a show that's going to come out for the Brew Files before too long. It's going to be all about how you, how you can do beer splits so that you can brew a 10-gallon batch but get two or more different beers out of it, which I think is uh, for people like you and like me uh, a really awesome way to go yep okay and our next uh, resolution comes from james morgan from new zealand who says hi guys digging the podcast it is making my commutes faster i've come a long way since melting my floor doing a a decoction match but i still have further to go in this awesome session my brewer's resolution is to focus on three recipes and dial them in as much as possible hopefully curing my brewer's adh Ooh, shiny Anyway, also notice on the podcast, keep it up, and give us a yell if you're in Wellington, New Zealand, and I'll be stoked to shout you a beer. Well, James, you're going to be able to shout one of us a beer this year.
0: That's right. I, I, I'm not necessarily going to be in Wellington, but I will be over there in March in Nelson for the New Zealand Homebrew Conference. So, hope to see you there, James.
1: Yeah, and, and congratulations on no longer melting floors. That's an awesome idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, really, man. That is something you don't want to do more than once, if even that. All right, Ryan Casey writes in to talk about health. My New Year's resolution is to truly make homebrewing and beer a part of a healthy lifestyle. I plan to do this by abstaining from beer at least two days a week. Doing this is over three times as effective as picking a month such as dryuary to abstain. I will also make myself earn my beer this year by only allowing myself beer the same number of days that I exercise that week. If I only work out twice that week, I only get to drink beer twice uh, or whatever. Boy, you know, Ryan, that is very much my theory, too. Uh, I uh, do my daily time on my treadmill, and then I pour myself my four ounces of beer, and I can tell myself that I've earned it and that I've just worked off at least a few more calories than I'm about to take in. So uh, good on you, man. Your plan sounds a lot like my plan.
1: Yeah, and I do like the idea that, uh, of adopting that, you know, sort of, if I work out, I get to have a beer.
0: I like that idea. Yep, yep, I agree, man.
1: Next resolution comes from Daniel Chisholm, who says, My brew year's resolutions for this year are, One, continue having fun with brewing, because I still love the process, and enjoy my me time. Well, you know Denny's saying.
0: That's good, you're man. not
1: having fun, you're doing it wrong. That's right. Uh, two, I want to tr- keep trying new things like techniques, ingredients, styles, and equipment. I've already done two things this week. I tried the kettle souring technique and finally brewed an alt beer.
0: Ooh, Onion. alt beer, one of my favorites.
1: I yep. uh, get involved in another Igor experiment. And number four, never wait in long lines for beer. Yeah. Yeah, Never buddy. wait in long line for a beer.
0: Yeah, I think I've done that once or twice, and that's it for me. As a matter of fact, uh, during my one trip to the Great American Beer Festival, which is so big you can't, I mean, there just aren't words for me to describe it to you. Any place there was a long line, I just passed it by, so I probably missed a, a lot of the really popular beers. But I went to the places that had no line, and I think I discovered some really good beers, too. So just remember, you don't have to wait in line to get a good beer.
1: Indeed. There are very few experiences in this world that are actually worth waiting in a line.
0: Our uh, next resolution comes from Eric via a voicemail. So let's listen to this. Hey, guys. It's Eric from Framingham. You know, I, I, uh, thinking about New Year's resolutions has kind of got me bummed out because uh, I resolved
1: to get my brewing act together, and I failed. But, you know, the last Brew Files episode got me stoked. And, you know, I did build the teaser of my dreams this year. So there's hope. I'm going to double down. I'm going to get my act
0: together this year. All right. Hey, have a wonderful 2016. Okay. Wait a minute. What? I lost a couple of years. Have a wonderful 2018 everybody. Bye. Well, it kind of sounds like Eric had the same issues we did, huh? You know, it's like, Hey, we had every good intention of brewing more, but Oh, well. So Eric, all I can tell you, buddy is don't beat yourself up. Just get right back to it.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh- this this goes with so many things in life, you know. When we have a failure, the idea you know is much easier to just lie down and, and keep lying down. Well, in this pretty good case, the right answer is bounce your butt back up and get back into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, really, man. That's the only thing you can do.
1: And our next resolution comes from Matt Skillstad, who says, "Don't buy any new gear. Get used to what I have and make the most of it."
0: Yes. <laughs> Boy, can I relate to that, huh?
1: I can uh, I can relate to trying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I've just kind of reached the point where I look around and there is almost nothing out there I need or want anymore. Uh, I think this is the first year since I started brewing where I didn't get anything brewing-related for Christmas because I just don't need anything.
1: I know, but every once in a while I I've come across something new and shiny that makes me go, ooh, please, like say, a <laughs> can seamer.
0: This one comes from Jake Freshour, who says he intends to brew at least 50% of his batches in 2018 as split-batch experiments with two different yeast strains side-by-side in my temp-controlled fridge. I did a few at the end of this year, and it was very easy and super interesting to taste side-by-side what yeast brings to the table. Great concept, and just what Drew was talking about a minute ago. Well,
1: it's my favorite way to brew. Far more interesting. And our next one comes from Vincent Callio, who says... My resolution is to reach my goal of one thousand beers in thirty years. This year, I've made sixty, and I have less than fifty to go to reach my goal.
0: Damn! Wow! So he's been he's been brewing nearly thirty years already, and he's made twenty nine hundred and fifty beers. Is that what I understand?
1: That's what it sounds like. It means he's brewed, on average, for thirty years, thirty three batches of beer per year. Wow!
0: Wow! Good so. on you, Vincent. Uh, I was that way for uh, uh, probably the first 15 years of my brewing. I've gone downhill now, so I'm really glad to hear that uh, there's somebody out there who can really do it.
1: Who knows? Maybe this will light the fire under Denny's bum.
0: Yeah, well, you know, there's other things that need to happen, too. So, (laughs) Anyway, Stephen Goodall says, I bought a bunch of Pinlock kegs, a dozen, to do aging for sour beers, but also some strong acid beers for doing some blending. Need to get all those filled to see what I can do with blends, especially with saisons. Yeah, blending is a really cool area that uh, I haven't gotten into as much as I'd like to, and I don't think most home brewers have either.
1: No, well, because I mean, again, it requires having a bunch of cooperage on site. So I, I don't even want to know. I mean, hopefully Steve got a. a or hopefully Steven got a, a good deal on twelve Pinlocks, because, I mean, I think I have. I have close to 25, twenty five, twenty six kegs or so in my yeah. garage, and the only reason I have that many is because when I got into the hobby, you could buy a keg for like ten bucks.
0: Right. Yeah. When I when I started brewing, uh, our club ran across a group buy, and we picked up like uh, two hundred ten gallon kegs for twenty bucks apiece. <laughs> that that's not going to happen these days.
1: Oh no. Yeah. And, mo- and most of the cheap ones already have gone to China and been melted down and turned to something else.
0: Yep. Indeed. Your turn.
1: All right. So our next one comes from Steve Thanos, who says, I have some lofty brewery years resolutions. We like loft. It's good to have loft. First, to understand water chemistry.
0: Theme. Again.
1: Yep. Second, to gain better ability to control my fermentation temperatures. My dear wife, I, I mean Santa, has already helped me with buying a chest freezer and an ink bird, aka a temperature controller. Lastly, continue to blog about my brewing experiences through stories. Cheers, guys! All right, so Steve's got three solid goals there, a couple on point and a couple on theme.
0: Anna Mo writes, "I want to brew a new BJCP style I haven't brewed before. At least every other brew. Great, great concept, Anna. There is nothing that'll help you learn like doing that.
1: Yeah, and also force you into you know maybe finding a new style that that you just never tried that suddenly you love.
0: That's how I started brewing. I would sit down with the BJCP guidelines." read through them, find a beer that sounded like it would be something that fit my tastes, uh, go buy a commercial example if I could find one, and then brew it myself to try something new. And man, it's a, it's a great learning experience and a ton of fun.
1: And then our, uh, well, maybe our final resolution here is from our friend, Kathy Ann Lee, who is serving on the governing committee of the AHA and lives in Canada. And she says, "I'm hoping to at least brew once a month and make something award-winning next year." Well, I have total faith that Kathy will be able to make something award-winning.
0: Yeah, you know that's a that's a great goal, Kathy, and uh, it's within your grasp. So just go do it.
1: So let's take a moment here, and uh, I think summarize what what we've heard from these brewers' resolutions, because uh, really, I th- I think this is a thing. One, water chemistry. Yeah. Two fermentation control. Yep. But I think 3, the big one, the one that I uh, I I think is the most resoundingly repeated one, brew more.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that that's kind of universal, huh? No matter oh, how yeah. much you brew, you always wish you could brew more.
1: Yeah. Well, and hey, wanted to say thank you to everybody who sent in your your brewer's resolutions. Obviously, we couldn't fit everybody's resolutions in here into the show, but you guys sent us a lot of really great ones, and we're really happy. And I am going to pick out, and I will announce uh, on... Well, no, actually, you know what? I'm going to do it now.
0: All right!
1: Yep. I think the winner, the winner of the three-pack of Saisons for me, in cans, is, well, the person who tickled uh, tickled my corporate engineering heart, uh, Laurel Verhagen uh, from Marshfield, Wisconsin. Uh, You are going to... I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to contact you. And you're going to get a, a, a little prize package.
0: Wow. See, Laurel, it pays to get your stuff organized.
1: And be concrete and everything else. But hey. That's right. Again, thank you so much, everybody. I really appreciate it that you took the time to write up your brewery's resolutions. Hopefully, you have a better rate of success than Denny and I do. We have faith in you.
0: Yeah, really. But uh, at least know that we've been inspired by what you had to say. So thanks a lot.
1: All right. I think it's time for us to get out of here. But first, we got to do a couple things, right? Yeah. You got a quick tip for us?
0: Yeah, I do. We're going to the Back to Basics series for uh, a tip that maybe you know, maybe you don't. Then you're going to do something other than beer, and we're going to wrap the show up and get out of here. So please stick around. We're going to be right back y East would like to welcome everyone to the new year with our first release of private collection strains for 2018, inspired by the Pacific Northwest's ever-changing forecast of wintry mix. y East's Burton IPA Blend, West Coast IPA, and Rocky Mountain Lager strains will lend their profiles to an array of malt and bitterness balances, mid-to-low ester formation, and most important, drinkability, for styles as varied as the weather ahead y East has over 30 years of experience producing premium liquid yeast, so you can brew with the same quality, purity, and reliability as the professionals do. These strains will be available January through March at your local homebrew shop. For more information, visit yyeastlab.com.
1: Thank you for sticking around and listening to our sponsors. Remember, you know, if you interact with our sponsors in any way, if you buy goods from them or if you just see them on the street randomly because you're stalking them, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> please make sure that you told them that you have found them or heard about them through us at Experimental Brewing. It helps them know that their ad dollars are well spent and it helps us know that, hey, people like us. You really, <laughs> really like us. But hey, Denny. Yes, sir. You've got a, you've got a quick tip for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going back to the basics again. Uh, This is one that maybe you know and maybe you don't. But uh, recently I've been uh, involved in a lot of discussions on different uh, forums and Facebook and things like that. People wondering about carbonating their beer and when they use a priming calculator, what temperature to put in for it. A lot of people put in the current beer temperature when they're getting ready to bottle or keg which is what I did for a lot of years. And you get kind of like uneven and oftentimes unwanted results doing that. So here's the deal. A little science here first. As beer warms up, the CO2 that has been dissolved in it by fermentation comes out of the beer. The colder the liquid is, the more of that CO2 is retained by it. So when you're using a priming calculator, you want to use as the temperature, the highest temperature the beer has reached at any point during fermentation or afterwards, because that CO2 will have come out of solution. And even then, if you cool the beer back down to cold crash it, that CO2 is not going to go back in. It's already gone. So my usual fermentation schedule is to start the fermentation about 63 degrees, let it ride there for four or five days, bump it up to 70 or 72 for maybe two or three days to make sure the fermentation is finished, and then crash it down to 33 to help drop out all the particulates and get it ready to uh, package. So in that case, the temperature I put into a carbonation calculator is that 70 or 72 degrees that was the highest my beer reached. Doesn't matter that it was at 63 for the longest period of time. Doesn't matter that it ends up at 33 before I package it. What matters is that the beer got to 72 degrees and released the CO2. So there you go. That's the back to basics for this show.
1: So yeah, make sure you understand what your temperature fluctuation is, buddy boys and buddy girls, because it's going to affect how your carbonation works. That's right. Okay, and so now we've come to our last segment of the show before Danny and I do our traditional farewell to you, and that's something other than beer. And in my past history, you guys know I'm an engineer, but in my past history, when I made my decisions about what to do for college and what to do for my future career, I was torn. I was either going to be an engineer or I was going to be a history professor. I became an engineer because, one, that usually pays better, and two, I couldn't teach myself the engineering. I could teach myself the history. But that also means that when I'm listening to podcasts on my gargantuan commute through L.A., I tend to listen to a lot of history podcasts, and there are two that have come up recently that I've been really digging on. first one is called Tides of History from Wondery, and it is a podcast that is split both between the end times of the Roman Empire and the rise of the modern state. So every, every couple of episodes, he switches the topics, and, you know, you learn how monetary stuff first came up, and the rise of the professional army, or, you know, what happened with, like, the different plagues that, you know, sort of weakened Rome, and why the Roman Empire eventually split. So, really cool podcast on that, called Tides of History. And the other one that I just started digging into, uh, my real love when I was thinking about becoming a history professor, was the American Civil War, and Gimlet which of course is one of those big media networks, Uh, they've released a new podcast called Uncivil, where they actually look at both uh, lesser-told stories of the Civil War and slavery, and also try and bust myths or things that have risen up around the Civil War that are sort of half-truths. So some of the things that they've covered are things like uh, New York Life's involvement in uh, insuring slaves uh, back in the day, or... Uh, The one that I thought was really cool was a raid where Harriet Tubman in South Carolina actually worked with a local union commander and a a group of 300 black soldiers who were recently freed slaves on a raid up a river where they burned five plantations and freed 750 slaves in a single night, Uh, which in comparison to her work with the Underground Railroad, she's freed about 75 slaves over the course of a decade. And then the final one was also kind of another episode that they had on the the rise of the myth of black Confederate soldiers. So I've been really digging this podcast. It's really kind of helping teach a lot of really interesting things about the Civil War that we don't normally talk about or that have gotten shrouded in myth and legend and whatnot. So there you go. Two new podcasts for you, Tides of History and Uncivil.
0: Wow. Erudite and interesting. I try to be. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and sometimes you actually manage to do it too yeah well hey
1: you know at least i'm at least i'm striving i'm a i'm, I'm a little lebowski achiever
0: <laughs> okay thank you all for listening to experimental brewing you can catch all of our latest adventures and writings by going to our website which is experimentalbrew.com. don't forget that you can follow us on twitter where we're at exp brewing we're on facebook or on instagram I hang out on a bunch of different beer discussion forums, primarily the AHA forum. You can find Drew on the homebrewing subreddit or on the Slack homebrewing channel. And you can always email us if you want to ask us a question or suggest topics or recipes or experiments or even just rant and rave. We're at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. Or if you want to get a hold of each of us individually, I'm Denny at ExperimentalBrew.com, and he's Drew at ExperimentalBrew.com. And you can always leave us a voicemail at 626-765-1AL. So, until next time, remember to always brew experimentally. Or brew wacky. And we'll see you on the next episode of Experimental Brewing.